never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that got the best view because we were inverted. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. Um, so how have you been this week? Um, it's been good. It's, uh, I don't know, just like a lot of busy stuff going on, and I got sick between the time. So last time I talked to you, I feel like I was you're sick. sick. I feel like you're sick all the time. I usually am not, but yeah, lately it's been pretty bad, but I got like full-blown sick this past weekend, and um, now I'm feeling pretty good, so that's <laughs> that's good news, but uh, how about you? Well, I, uh, I'm gearing up for C2E2 this weekend, so by the time this episode drops, C2E2 will have passed. I had a blast. <laughs> There's my review from the uh, future. Uh, no, C2E2 is coming, so um, I've been trying to shore up interviews and uh, reach out to people and get things lined up and um, get things geared for the weekend because you're not coming with me and I'm doing it solo. Yeah. Um, there's been a few friends of mine that have reached out like, hey, we're going on Saturday or, oh, hey, we're going on Sunday, which will be kind of cool, so I'll be able to walk the floor a little bit with people, but... I'm kind of looking forward to just being solo on the floor because last year I had a lot of fun. No offense to you, man. Just I no, got to. I, I totally know what you mean because I love going to uh, or walking convention for, floors on my own. Like it's just a total like I don't. I like being able to look at whatever I want and you know spend whatever time I want like doing. You know you're on your own, so you can really like indulge in your own sort of nerdy interests. You know you don't have to wait for your friend who's looking at some booth that you don't have to care about and stuff like that. So. <laughs> right, and you're just like, well, I want to go over there, and then... <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Or I feel like I'm taking way too much time and my friend's getting bored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, that's kind of like where I'm at, and I haven't really had a day off of work in a really, really long time because I had that job change and then the holidays yeah. hit and then, you know, that kind of stuff. Fun. So. Um, <laughs> So I haven't really had enough, like, I haven't really had a day off of, you know, I think my last day off of work was Christmas, which is, re oh, wow. which is really messed up. So I'm not really getting downtime because <laughs> I'm going to go work the podcast, but I'm going to be doing something really fun for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah. Um, uh, other than that, like, that's kind of about it in terms of my plate. Um, tonight is technically our Oscar night. Are you ready to discuss our list later in the show? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. I actually wasn't ready until like, so I had all my an movies hour ago. Down. No, I mean even less than that, like fifteen minutes ago, because I had all my movies written down, and then I was looking at my list before the episode, and then I was like, I realized I had to change things around still, so <laughs> no. it's kind of like down to the wire. I was perfecting <laughs> my list, so that's that's really down to the wire. Um, <laughs> For, yeah, definitely. How about we do this? Let's start. Let's kick the show off like we normally do and uh, what are you watching this week man right so um as
as I mentioned, I was really sick this weekend, so I basically spent the whole time in the house. Like, I didn't really go out and do anything. I actually had some plans I had to cancel and stuff, but uh, I was kind of, uh, I'm kind of in between shows right now. Like, I was kind of, I'm, ca- I'm not, like, in the middle of a series, so I was looking for something new to watch, and um, I don't know what it was. I guess I was, like... I didn't want to, because there's, like, some things that I've been recommended, and, um, like, Lock, Lock and Key just dropped on Netflix, and oh, I really did? wanted to watch that. Ooh, yeah, dropped, okay, cool. Uh, I think this last week. What was that? I said cool, because I, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> right on. But, but that was, like, one that, like, I really wanted to watch, but it was, like, for some reason I wasn't, I was looking for something I could watch that was, like, a little bit lighter, like, something I didn't have to really commit to, so I was kind of browsing all the different, uh streaming services and i ran across the uh high fidelity show on uh, hulu and i was like okay like i'm kind of curious about this show so i turned it on and i watched it and uh the one thing i can say about the show is it held my attention because <laughs> i basically watched through the whole series <laughs> this past saturday See. and it was one of those things where it's like i watched it and i watched the first episode and i was like okay I enjoyed that, and, like, they're short episodes. They're only 30 minutes, so I was just like, yeah, I can watch another one, and then I found myself watching through, like, all 10 episodes of the series, so <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but um, overall, this show is, like, I still think the movie's better. I don't know if this show needed to be made, but it's one of those things where I enjoy the movie a lot. I enjoy, like, how high, relatable it is. The high, fidelity sh- the high Fidelity Show. Yes. Okay. Just Sorry, making sure. What, I... No, I would because you said you watched uh, because Lock and Key dropped and then High Fidelity and I'm making sure I'm on the same page. Yeah, I, yeah. Basically, I was saying like I wanted to watch Lock and Key, but I was like, I guess I was looking for a show that I could be like a little less committed to. I don't know if you ever get in that mood or you yep. want to kind of be like, and so that's kind of why I settled on High Fidelity, and then I just ended up watching through the whole series the other day. But um, yeah, like it's it's a good show but i think the problem is i've already seen the movie and uh it's one of those things where the show is good and it does a lot of good things but i just think the movie executes certain aspects a lot better like uh so is there's a oh, sorry yes, is yeah, the, go ahead. yeah so is the season is the first season essentially like an elongated version of the film yeah it, it definitely is but it's uh they change things obviously like the biggest and most obvious change is uh, the main character, Rob, is uh, played by Zoe Kravitz. So it's, you know, it's a complete, like, uh, gender reversal or however you want to phrase it. It's um, interesting because she's in the movie. Right, right. Because, um, and that's that's the thing is, like, she's playing, like, John Cusack's role in this, uh, okay. in this show. And um, when, uh, sorry. You caught me off guard there. I, I kind of like losing my train of thought. But because of Sorry. that reversal, like the way certain uh, some of her relationships play out, there's like things that just need to, you know, change because it's a girl versus a guy and stuff like that. Oh, but, okay. Um, the, the thing that I think the movie does better than the show, honestly, is the humor. Like there's a lot of the sort of like really humorous beats from the movie um, happen in the show as well. But almost all of them, I was like, well, I actually think the movie was a lot 
you know, they were a lot funnier, like the way, the way they portrayed that part of the, you know, story or whatever. Um, and then the other big thing I notice is like, uh, they have to recast all the characters, of course. And, uh, the character, um, who played, uh, or the Jack Black's character from the movie is also like a, uh, gender reversal like it's a woman playing that character and she's like she's great like she plays the character really really great you know like i watched it and i was totally behind her but the only problem was is like that character was originally played by jack black who like jack black is just like one of the most charismatic people ever (laughs) so it's just like it's kind of like you know like she did a great job but it's just like Jack Black already did like such an amazing job before, you know, so it's just kind of like yeah. hard to follow that, um, so to speak. But like I said, I sat down and watched this whole series in a day, so I guess I liked it enough for it to be there. So, um, all right. So you, ha- but you, ha- but you haven't watched Lock and Key yet. No, I so I actually started Lock and Key, but I've only watched like half of an episode of it. Okay. And it's awesome. Like it was one of those things where I started it last night and uh, I ended up having to turn it off because there was something going on or whatever. And from what I saw, it's like I'm already like all in. Like this show is so great so far, but <laughs> like I said, I've only seen like half an episode. So cool. All right. Um, I'm really looking forward to delving into that, especially because. Uh, I think season three of Castlevania is coming out like next week, so yeah, have to try to finish Lock and Key before yeah. then. <laughs> I knew Castlevania was real quick. Castlevania will be short though, so yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, um, were you able to watch anything or? Yeah, so <laughs> all right, um, so tonight's our Oscar night technically because we're gonna do our favorite films of 2019 here at the end of the show. Um, so I watched, uh. Uh, Welcome to My Neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers film. Okay. Um, w- wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, it made me cry. It, like The emotional journey was great. Um, I cried at all the same parts in the film that I did in the trailer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, th- my only criticism of the movie is that the back half of the film has this weird pacing change. Um like everything about everything about the movie is wonderful, but I feel the pacing slowed down in the back half of the movie, um, and I kind of felt myself going, "Okay, come on, let's go." You know, um, otherwise, like I, otherwise, I loved the movie; it was great. Um, and Tom yeah. Hank and Tom Hanks was absolutely incredible. And here's the thing: like, and if you grew up watching Mister Rogers, um, there's some really cool like moments, like because um, the movie's about a guy who's doing an expose on. Mr. Rogers for Esquire magazine. Uh-huh. So he's he's basically going to interview Mr. Rogers and he's doing a uh, he's doing this expose and he's uh, interviewing him and stuff. But there's this really great moment. It's probably my favorite moment of the movie, where um, it's a scene. So you're seeing like you're seeing them shoot a scene in the uh, I I want to say it's the Imagination Land or the Wonderland or whatever the because you know how, like, he's in his living room and he has that, like, imaginary world? Uh-huh. Um, I just don't remember what it's... I, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. But yeah. he, uh, they're shooting a scene in that... On that set. And it's, like, the woman of the, the... The lady on that show, she's talking to one of the puppets. Well, what I didn't know growing up is that that puppet was actually voiced by Fred Rogers. 
So there's this bit where she's talking to the puppet and the writer from Esquire magazine kind of walks around all the cameras and kind of gets himself in this weird spot where he can see Mr. Rogers with his hand up the building controlling the puppet and he's looking down at a monitor reading the lines of dialogue and just acting it out and you're like and you're like watching like it it's it's probably my favorite part of the movie just because of the like emotional the the level the emotional journey you go through in just that scene it's amazing that's awesome I, i love stuff like that because like I'm sure I haven't seen this movie yet, but I'm sure it's like a really great story. I'm sure it hits you right in the feels. But then it also sounds like it is like kind of just really interesting how it showcases the, uh, I guess, like how the, uh, you know, logistics of the production of uh, the Mr. Rogers show kind of, you know, was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that that's too. Actually pretty cool. um, that scene that I specifically talked about, I feel like that was the moment where the writer realized that because he went in, it was like he went in thinking, oh, I'm just interviewing this child celebrity and he goes in and that like that's the scene where he realizes there's so much more to this story and realizes this emotional journey he's about to go on and yeah so at any rate at any rate um i also watched knives out okay um knives out is absolutely phenomenal ryan johnson is a master when it comes to writing um i know people have their trepidations about the last jedi but i'm telling you go look at some of his other work like brick and looper and then knives out is oh it's just it's fantastic um (laughs) yeah i was i was a little surprised that they showed you they kind of showed you like because it's a murder mystery but it's like a legit like people in a house someone killed the guy who did it kind of murder mystery and they show you the murder in the middle of the film. Yeah. So you yeah. N- have you seen it? Yeah, I, I okay. saw it. So you know like how it happened in the middle, and then you're like, wait a minute, and then the story takes this like cool turn where there's so much more to the story that you didn't realize yeah. was there. So. Uh, what, yeah, they kind of have to. They it's like they reveal who, and then they have to discuss like the why for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was talking about this, I mentioned how. Um, and I don't know if you thought of this the same way, but at the very end of the movie, there's a there's a part that really gave me the same feel as when um, Luke tossed his uh, lightsaber off the cliff in uh, The Last Jedi. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's a part at the end where I was just kind of like, I think I'm starting to understand Ryan Johnson's humor, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And I don't want to say what it is because it okay. would be such a spoiler. But then you're gonna I don't have know to if you know which part. Then I'm, I'm gonna make. About. Then I'm making a note, and you're gonna tell me off air to make sure we're on the same okay. page. Sound good? Okay. okay. It, it's it's at like the very end of the movie, so I was hoping you'd um, it, like ring a bell, but it's gonna ring a bell after you tell me. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So Knives Out was great. I watched Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Um, Jojo Rabbit is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film. Um, yeah. And I may have more to talk about about that later, so I'll leave my review as is for right now. Um, I was going to ask, since you're talking about these movies now, <laughs> does that mean they don't make your list? But <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like, it's the Oscar movies hit, and I'm like, oh my god, I have so much to watch before we do our episode of 2019. Yeah. Um, and then I also watched Happy Death Day 2. Okay, um, I um, I was at like a friend's house or something, and this movie was on, but I didn't pay close attention to it. Did you see, um, Did you see Happy Death Day one? 
Yes. Okay, so you know it's basically a horror version of Groundhog Day. Yeah. So Happy Death Day 2, and like like Groundhog Day in the first one, they don't explain why she's in the time loop. You just know that once she solves her murder, that she, um, the time loop stops. So yeah. Happy Death Day 2 picks up the day she wakes up out of the time loop, but someone else is in the time loop. And you start following this individual until you realize that there's two of the same person. <laughs> and I'm going okay. to spoil part of the movie because this is where it gets interesting, is that um, there's two of the same person, and when they realize... They're like, why are there two of you? And then you find out that this individual, this that now there's two of that this person. He was working on a time displacement project for his thesis at the college, <laughs> and inadvertently created the time loop because he tapped into an alternate dimension. So the movie goes into this big spinoff of the multiverse <laughs> theory. <laughs> And they have to explain the multiverse to the girl who was caught in the time loop because she, because she, the reason she's no longer in the time loop is because she existed in the other reality and the loop pulled her across to this new dimension. So she's not even supposed to be here. So everything's different for her. Okay. So now she's, because of that, she's now caught in the loop again because now she has to, because since the day resets in the new dimension, she's the only one who has the memory. So like in all the quantum physics stuff they have to figure out, she has to repeat the day and remember everything going forward so they can program the machine to send her back. <laughs> okay. Okay. Nice. That, that being said, the movie is just as fun as the first. It plays off the first one so well in terms of you really need to watch them back to back. Like it's almost like it's one single movie. Mm-hmm. But they have these really great moments of uh, sincerity in, like, these emotional scenes. Uh, yeah. Where, like, because in the first movie, her mother's not alive. But because she's in an alternate dimension, now her mom's alive. And she gets to actually meet her mom at this age. You know what I mean? And she's, like, they have these really great emotional moments in the movie. Aside from the fact that it's a horror film and someone's trying to kill her. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. It's just, it's just nice. a real, it just, it really surprised me. Cause I went in expecting, I'm like, I like the first one. I'm going to watch the second one. Usually horror movie sequels aren't nearly this good. And I was happily, happily surprised. So. Right. Cause I liked the first one too. And I didn't watch this one cause I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it needed to exist. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm not sure if, if that's the case or not, but I mean, I haven't seen it yet and it sounds like you enjoyed it. So I did. So that's I awesome. Did. I did. Um, think there should be a happy death day three <laughs> um i don't know how about this if they make an if they make another one as long as they make it work with as long as they make it work i'm down i'd, I'd watch it yeah. i would definitely watch another one um, i would rather see because I, i've noticed there's like a bit of i i think it's kind of died down but there was a i feel like there's three or four movies that came, that all came out within like two years that did the whole like time uh repeating sort of trope where there was like happy death day there was a that naked movie with um uh, marlon wayans if you know about that one there was yeah there's this one where these where a group of girls die in a car crash and they keep living the same day until they don't die or something and there's a bunch of movies that all like 
had a similar story. <laughs> and I feel like I'd rather see Happy Death Day 3 than just another random movie with the same concept, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, and I'm also curious what the, the pun would be. You know, if it's Happy Death Day 2, you, will it be Happy Death Day 3? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> well, how about this? We're running a little longer than I thought on the... Uh, uh, watching category, but I had a lot to talk about. So, um, let's, uh, let's roll into the news and then let's get to our list, man. Um, you down? All right, cool. So, um, let's see how I want to do this. Cause I always bounce around a little bit and I try and segue, but there's no good segues to these stories. Uh, first off, let's, let me change screen here because we have to talk about a passing of an individual um, uh, uh, all right, so, uh, Jens Nudson, if I'm pronouncing his name properly, Jens Nudson, um, so, you might not know the name, but for many of us, um, for many of us out there in the world, this guy is a direct, um, contributor to building your childhood. Um, he is the inventor of the, uh, Lego minifig. He passed away. Um, oh, right. I just saw this. Yeah. So, um, it's really sad to see him go, but literally like he's responsible for technically building my childhood, pun intended. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, it was sad to see him go, but I mean the, the, the vast memories of just playing with Legos and like I said, I've played with Legos way longer than I should have. Um, I still do. So, um Yeah. I we wouldn't I wouldn't have the childhood I did if he didn't create that minifig. So thank you very much and uh Yeah. Alright. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely sad to hear and like you said, it like he's affected so many people's lives with uh you know, that them not even knowing, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's just really sad, but, uh, you know, we're super grateful for, I mean, definitely having a huge part in shaping our childhood, you know, <laughs> if not, like, probably most of the people listening to this podcast as well, so. Right. Right. All right. So, moving on. Uh, Chris Pratt on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 um, was asked if Thor is in the film. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, just so everyone knows, uh, James Gunn is still working on Suicide Squad, so he cannot do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 until he is done with Suicide Squad per the contract because of the whole Disney nonsense that happened last year. So Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Pratt uh, dresses if Thor is in the film, he said, and I quote, we haven't started it yet, he might be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Short and sweet, but hey, uh, this <laughs> I Not, mean, it doesn't tell us much, but uh, <laughs> that's right. cool. Right, it made me laugh, and I'm like, we're going to drop that in because it's funny. Um, all right, so Ben Affleck on the Snyder Cut. So Ben Affleck talks about his release, the Snyder Cut tweet. Um, he says, I didn't know about it. Zach was like, hey there, are you doing this thing? And I said, Zach, I love you, and I support you. However, I can't help you. I do think that movie, you know, having two directors... Uh, is a very weird thing. And for Justice League, the director had a family tragedy. And so you have a kind of cow's body with a horse's head and a little bit with two directors a lot of times, for better or worse. I do think Zack's cut should be available. Nice. So it's nice to hear Affleck say that. I know he tweeted out 
everyone needs to release the Snyder Cut, um, and I'm this podcast will be in support of the Snyder Cut for a long time. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the Batman costume. Have you looked at some of the new footage that's dropped? Of I, the... I saw. Um, I, yeah, I saw some of the leaked photos and stuff. Okay. So. so there's these photos of the Batman like doing some stunts. So it's basically like a, it's not Robert Pattinson in the costume. It's a stunt man in the costume riding a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, so you get a better look at the cowl. Um, now it's in the daytime, and I'm assuming that'll all get corrected in post. They'll like darken everything up. Um, and he's not wearing a cape, which says a couple things to me. One, he might not have a cape on. Yeah. Or, or two, the cape is going to be CG, kind of like how they CG'd Superman's cape in many of the sequences um, in Man of Steel and um, those movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I also, like, wondered if, since uh, in the photos he's on a motorcycle, like, if that, like, specifically because he's on the, the motorcycle, he doesn't have the cape on just for... Um, you know, tactical reasons, or maybe, you know, <laughs> right. you don't want to be riding on a motorcycle and getting that cape caught on something that could well, lead to a disaster. He's got some really, the belt looks awesome. He's got some really tactical looking, like, gauntlets on his arms. Yeah. Um, which look, they look kind of cool. Um, if you look real closely, and I don't know how well you know the comic books, but if you look real closely, the bike matches the bike that he drives in the comic book Batman Year Zero. Yeah, I mean, um, I didn't really think about that, but uh, you're totally right because I've seen, and I don't, I don't know, like off the top of my head, if I'm that familiar with the Batman Year Zero bike, but just thinking about different versions of the Bat Cycle from the comics, like it definitely does look really similar with that big sort of like bat head uh, segment on the front of it. Right, and aside from the uh, arms of the bat suit. The costume itself, with the way that the belt, the, how tactical the belt looks and everything, in comparison, is very similar to the Batman Year Zero costume as well. Okay. So in a general sense, um, it looks very much like that. And what I like about that is because Year Zero, you have to read Year Zero to really understand why they call it, uh, or not Year Zero, but Zero Year. The book's actually titled Zero Year, my bad, so... Um, <laughs> For them, it's for the, the animated movies Year Zero. Um, I don't want to know. Like, okay, so I a different story altogether. I misspoke. There's Year One, which everyone oh, knows right, Frank Miller's right, Year okay. One. Um, but I was I was mixing the I was mixing it up with Year One. Yeah, I'm. That's why I I said it backwards. So I completely misspoke. So there's Year One by Frank Miller. Um, which yeah. is basically like origin story of Batman kind of thing, like uh, very uh, Batman Begins-esque. And then there's Scott Snyder's Zero Year. So is it, do you count it as like before year one? You have to read the book to really understand why they call it Zero Year. Um, right. So, um, but the, the suit and the bike match very heavily. So I just thought that was kind of cool. And since we know this movie is going to be very heavily based on the second year of Batman's career, it's still early. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, um, so when I saw the suit, it actually, just because of how tactical it looks, it gave me more vibes of the, uh, Arkham games more than anything. But, uh, 
kind of with, uh, you know, the cowl actually reminded me of a, uh, seeing the whole cowl, it actually, to me, like, harkened back more to um, the 66 Batman, like, with Adam West, mm-hmm. and, as well as just, like, older Batman comics and stuff. Um, I know last week I talked about, like, I didn't know if I felt like the cowl went with the suit, um, but these new with these new images, I'm actually completely sold on it. Like, I actually love the way it looks, and actually seeing the ears on the cowl, like, I think it looks cool. I have uh, friends who were saying that they thought that uh, the Batman suit just looked, or the cowl looks weird, but this, I mean, it might be... Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite cowls for Batman. It might be my favorite, and I'm afraid of it being my shiny new toy. And I like it so much now because it's you know it's new. But I think it looks awesome. Like to be honest, um, the other thing you mentioned is like the gauntlets, which uh, have these sort of uh, I don't even know how to how to explain it, but it's a bunch of like li- like it's a bunch of like white lines, or it almost looks like sticks or something that are mm-hmm. on the or on the wrist pieces and. Uh, I was talking to somebody who said that uh, it reminded him of uh, samurai armor, and then I was I was like, well, I almost wonder if it's like darts or something like that that are gonna fire out of those. And I was like, that could be kind of a neat effect, but you know, we'll have to wait and see, you know, how that's used. But uh, so far, I'm loving the costume. I like that um, pretty much. Like, like I was saying with the gauntlet and you mentioned the belt and uh, how the bat symbol is and stuff, there's like all these hidden details in there that are just kind of like intriguing because we really want to know what all this is going to add up to and how he's going to use all this. And, uh, you know, are, are we viewing all sorts of different gadgets on this suit that are going to come into play? Right. Yeah. That makes complete sense. So yeah, I'm just, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm getting more and more excited about the movie. Um, yeah. I don't want to see too much in terms of still images, um, but everything's out of context right now. So exactly, um, I do want to, and I don't want to. I know, like, you don't want to spend like too much time just talking about this, but I do want to ask you. You know how in the images, um, the eyes of the stuntman were like blacked over. Mm-hmm. It's like he had little visors. Yeah. Um, do you think that was because of him riding the motorcycle, or do you think it's like? they're going to CG in uh, white eyes on the mask in I'd, post-production? I don't know. That's a good question. It really <laughs> okay. is. Um, yeah. I was wondering about that myself, and then um, I was thinking to myself, cool, we might actually get the white eyes. And then Batman versus Superman was on TBS the other night, and I was watching it, and Batman has the white eyes. So I'm like, oh, no, they oh, did it there first. <laughs> he he so, has the white eyes, but it's in the... Um, I the, don't the suit you the, would call it, but the his, armored suit. His, like, powers, the his powered suit. Yeah, either way, yeah. they still did it. So we'll see right. how this works out. I yeah. always wanted them to do, and I almost thought Zack Snyder was going to do it, but he never did, was uh, in the New 52 comics, uh, Batman has, like, contact lenses that are, like, computerized, so he can access his computer database like through his contact lenses and i always thought it would be cool to use that in a movie as an excuse to give batman white eyes like have like the contacts be white Mm. and that's why his eyes look white like i always thought that'd be really like an easy way to pull that off you know yeah no that's that's actually a good point well i will say this is matt reeves is a fantastic director um and what he did with the uh, planet of the apes films uh is astounding and the only reason i bring those up for any comparisons is because that's a franchise film um yeah and this is another franchise so um just very curious to see how it all played yeah just 
I can't wait to see it. Um, <laughs> totally. On DC News, to close DC out of the equation, um, you heard that Dan Dido is exiting DC Comics? Yes. Yeah, I did. All right. So, Dan Dido, um, it's the end of an era for DC Comics. It's, um We've learned that longtime co-publisher Dan Dido is no longer with the superhero publishing company. He was best known for overseeing multiple initiatives that pushed massive awareness of the brand with storylines and titles including Infinite Crisis, 52, the new 52, uh, relaunch, and the DC Rebirth, as well as other stories like Before Watchmen and Doomsday Clock. Dido has served as co-publisher alongside superstar artist Jim Lee for the last decade, being anointed as one of the figureheads of the DC Comics um, by the then-president, uh, Diane Nelson. Um, so it is sad to see someone go, um, but you know what? We all have lives, and you know he's going to all go off into his retirement. But I will say uh, to Dan Dido, thank you so much for the stories you did help bring along because... Um, I'm between DC and Marvel. I've always preferred DC. Um, I was thinking about this cause this, it was funny. Someone asked me why I prefer DC over Marvel because they were arguing that they don't like the DC movies. And I'm going to say this is as much as I like the DC movies, because I do, I prefer Marvel when it comes to movies and I prefer DC for literally everything else. So okay. um, that includes television, comics, um, cartoons, like DC, every th characters, DC for everything else, Marvel, I prefer the movies. So I'll put it that way. How's that? I mean, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> fine <with> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, sad to see, it's sad to see Dan Dido exit, but hey, we all have lives and life throws us curveballs, and thank you for what you did bring. Yeah, so. I, I, I feel the same way. It's sad to see him go. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful for, you know, his contributions for, um, you know, the past years that he's been doing this. And uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to see, um, will anything change at DC? I know um, I heard that Jim Lee is kind of heading the company by himself right now. So I'm kind of curious where that's going to head from here, you know? Yeah, and uh, Jim Lee is um, going to be at C2E2 this weekend. Um, nice. and I'm going to try and if I can't talk to him in person, I'm going to make sure I get to that uh, spotlight on Jim Lee panel that they oh, have. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, we'll, and I guarantee that subject will come up at the panel. So awesome. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how it couldn't. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to say, Ooh, I guarantee, but I have no control over that, but who's not I mean, going to be they, like, they, they let's could, talk about this. They could not do any Q and a, and maybe they could get away with not talking about it, but you're right. That's the only situation <laughs> that would add up to that. Right. Um, well other, let's talk about other people leaving. Uh, Bob Iger, CEO of Disney has officially stepped down as Disney CEO. Okay. You hear about this? So um, Bob Iger's. I didn't, I didn't hear about this, but I know it's been kind of. He's been talking about this for a while. He said. Down, so. He said I'm gonna retire, and then they bought something, and then he said I'm gonna retire, and then they bought something else, and he said I think I'm gonna retire now. <laughs> yeah. So Bob Iger steps down from uh, CEO of Disney uh, and Disney Parks chairman uh, Bob uh, Chapek, or if I'm saying that Chapek, will take his place effective immediately. Um, Bob Iger, so people understand the contribution. He's been CEO of Disney for a very long time. He's essentially made Disney for what it currently is right now. Um, he is, he specifically handled the Marvel acquisition when Disney bought Marvel Comics. 
He then handled the setup of Marvel Studios, so the Avengers films we got. He uh, he handled the Lucasfilm acquisition when they bought um, Star Wars, when they bought Lucasfilm. Uh-huh. He handled the Pixar acquisition when Disney took over Pixar, and he handled the Fox acquisition, and he handled the Disney Plus setup. So Bob Iger's name has like all over everything we love about Disney right now. So it's sad to see him go, but hopefully he's leaving it in good hands. And you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't have anything to add necessarily that <laughs> you didn't say, but yeah, absolutely. Well, well, uh, let's talk about someone else who's leaving. Oh, okay. <laughs> the story continues, right? Yeah. So, Indiana Jones Five is coming. Right. Uh, Spielberg will no longer direct Indiana Jones 5. We were just talking about this last week. Um, um, but yeah, go on. Yeah, so Spielberg... Is it J.J.? Is it well, J.J. Abrams? So, <laughs> uh, it seems the years and mileage may have caused Steven Spielberg to take a step away from the director's uh, chair for the first time in franchise history. He will not be drink- directing Indiana Jones 5, which is messed up to me because Spielberg has directed all of the Indiana Jones films. And here we go, yeah. not getting Spielberg. So it looks like right now, because you know how they say they're in talks to direct or they're in talks to play this character usually means yeah. they're going to play the character. Um, director James Mangold, who directed Logan and Ford versus Ferrari, will be looks like he will be the director of Indiana Jones 5. I mean, that's awesome. Now, that's awesome because Logan is a phenomenal phenomenal movie Ford versus Ferrari was a fantastic movie my only concern with someone else taking over Indiana Jones is the visual language of the movie right and that is Absolutely. it that is that is my only problem but Logan was so good on a script level and visually it was just astounding so yeah. um, I'm all for him being the director but Indiana Jones has a unique way of telling a story so oh definitely i think um i feel like steven spielberg is definitely going to be a producer on it in some way or another so i feel like i feel like james mangold is doing this with like steven spielberg's just utmost confidence that's at least what i would assume but um yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out, like how the movie is. And uh, it also makes me wonder about just Indiana Jones as a franchise. Like, where does it go from here? You know, are we going to have all sorts of other directors doing sequels to this one? Or, you know, well, what happens, you know? You know what I want to have happen to Indiana Jones after Indiana Jones 5 comes out? What's that? I want either a live-action television series, um, uh-huh. and they reboot the young Indiana Jones Chronicles on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Or they do an animated Indiana Jones show on Disney Plus. I mean, why not both? <laughs> I mean, why not both? I just I think that's I think Disney Plus is the perfect place for it. Um, I just think we need more Indiana Jones in our lives. So um, let's cast a younger younger actor. And like, no offense to Harrison Ford, but he can't play Indiana Jones anymore. I think we need to do a younger actor and do some old school Indiana Jones telling. Yeah. I mean, they that's did the. Actually, oh, sorry. That's like a big thing I'm wondering is how. Uh... Harrison Ford's gonna do in this one just because um, I'm curious like how he's gonna handle a lot of the stunts and stuff that you know I'm sure will be involved um, just because like we've seen him come back as Han Solo but 
in uh, The Force Awakens, I don't think he really did that many, like, crazy stunts and stuff like that, I'm, I'm, more than, like, dialogue, so yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how it goes. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I interrupted you, though. Were you going to say something, or? No, not really. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fair no, you're fine. You're my well, my my that. points are relevant. <laughs> um, no, no, nobody said that. All right, one more one more news story, and then we're off to the list. So the Friends reunion is officially happening. Yeah, I've been hearing about this. Yes, so it'll be called the one where they got back together. Um, I don't okay. know. It sounds like it's going to be a one-hour special, and that is it. Um, it also sounds like, from what everything I'm reading, it sounds like it's going to be on the. Um, HBO Max, um, uh, it'll be on the HBO Max streaming service, <laughs> which I think is really obnoxious because that means I'm going to have to pay for the free trial of HBO Max. At the very least, I'm going to have to set up the free trial um, yeah. just so I can watch this. Um, but I'm excited to see it. I just hope it's not... I just, it's, like, I feel like there's a really good chance, even with the cast as involved as they are, they could really screw this up. Okay. I really do. I really feel like this could be one of those things that people are going to, you know how, like, you get too overly excited for, like, a show's finale or something like that, and then uh, yeah. you're, like, disappointed? I feel like this has been built up so heavily, because they kept saying, we're not going to do a reunion, we're not going to do a reunion, and I feel like someone forced them everyone's doing reunions you guys got to do it too um that's where the money is um and i don't think they're sweating at all with their friends residual checks uh the way uh residual pay works because of reruns um yeah. I, I don't think we're i don't think they're hurting at all but i just think that i worry that they got forced into this and there's a good chance that they could really mess it up so okay. we'll see yeah yeah i mean i i hope it's in good hands i kind of had the feeling that all the actors kind of had moved past friends, but I, I almost like felt like they were at a point in their career where, um, you know, like they were just kind of ready to come back because honestly, like I haven't seen, I don't know that I've seen any of them in like any like really big movies or anything for a while. Well, Jennifer um, Aniston has like, she has her rated R movie career. Okay. She's in like, she's <laughs> in like, she's in like, well, she's in like almost every rated R comedy. Like she's like Jennifer Aniston's on in everything. Um, you, That's true. I guess I guess lately I've only seen her like popping it up in like uh, Adam Sandler movies on Netflix and stuff like. Well, like that well, like I, I mean, yeah, she's in Just Go with It, and then she did that other one with Adam Sandler. But then she's in like Office Christmas Party, and she's in Where the Millers, and she's in Horrible Bosses and Horrible Bosses Two, and like she's got all these rated know, R comedies. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't even I forgot about those movies to be honest. Um, yeah, she's got all these rated R comedies that she's doing, and then you have um, like Matt LeBlanc had his show. Um, on Showtime that ran for, like, ever. David Schwimmer is yeah. the only one who's really not doing any... David Schwimmer and uh, Matthew Perry are the ones who aren't really doing anything because Courtney Cox had a couple sitcoms that she did. Lisa Kudrow um, started a production company with her husband. So, you know, like, they're all kind of off doing their own thing, which is great. I just don't want them to, like... I don't want them... To, I don't want to feel like this is a forced special. No, <laughs> Right. So. Yeah, and that's only we'll just have to wait to see. Um, yeah, I, I hope it's it doesn't either because a lot of people are excited about this, and 
that would just suck if like we end up watching it and it's just gonna like if something feels off or it feels forced that will be uh, a sad turn of events yeah so yeah all right well are you ready to talk the list tonight man yeah sounds like right. sounds good <laughs> cool um all right well uh yeah because that's it for the news so let's talk to the list and uh let's close this out so all right ryan list time play the thing for the top five all right and we're back um i have said that we are i've said that this is kind of like our oscar night um just because we're doing our favorite movies from 2019 tonight um so i don't want to call it our oscars necessarily because we're not giving out awards but these are our five favorite films of 2019 yeah um so here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna go back we're gonna look at um whose pick is it next week it's yours right I think it's yours. Crap. <laughs> um, it's all good. All right. I mean, I, I gotta think of. I gotta think back on it. <laughs> sure. You know what? I don't remember who's. I don't remember who we said uh, <laughs> list it was. Um, For some reason, I thought it was gonna be yours, but then we did the movie thing. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll figure this out. So, um, let's look back. Um, at the beginning of the year in 2019, um, right, actually right, right around Christmas of 2018, because we were coming up on New Year's Eve for 2019, we did, so a year ago, we did yeah. a list of our most anticipated films of 2019. So, uh, your list was, your five movies was, Spawn, which did not come out. <laughs> did not come out. <laughs> um, How to Train Your Dragon, three. Uh, it Chapter Two, Shazam, and Star Wars Episode Nine. Okay. My list um, was Avengers Endgame, X Men Dark Phoenix, Toy Story Four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars Episode Nine. The, okay. The reason I'm bringing, I'm we're reading those is because we're going to compare. Or now you guys know what we were excited about. Let's see how that compares to. Where we end tonight. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Hang on. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta scroll back down the spreadsheet real quick so I can get back to. Um, it's all so, good. Do you who, want me to start with? Well, uh, do you have, do you have honorable mentions? Yeah, I actually do. I I had too much trouble narrow, narrowing this down, so I do have a couple. So. Perfect. So, what's your first honorable mention? So the first one is actually one that I watched this past week, but I kind of saved it till now to talk about. <laughs> but uh, that's Alita Battle Angel. I finally got a chance to watch it. Um, and this movie I enjoyed so much. Like, I thought it was great. Um, just visually, it's amazing. I thought the story was really good. Um, I really enjoyed how... I'm not super familiar with the uh, manga that it's based off of, but... I feel like it is very close to the source material, and the reason I say that is because it's kind of divided up in segments, almost like a, uh, it almost is. like the feeling of when you read manga chapters or you know watch an anime, like it anime is. episodes. That's a good way of wording. I don't think, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry for not being able to put that into those words that way. So. Yeah, it's it's just what I was thinking of because like I was like, okay, so there's a. Uh, the first chapter of the manga when she like saves the puppy from like the giant robot like that's probably the first like main com conflict in that first issue 
and then it goes on and you know there's a chapter about like when she first plays uh motorball and stuff like that but um no this movie like visually story-wise it was awesome um i just super like really enjoyed it so honorable mention number one (laughs) perfect yeah no that yeah i visually i loved that movie it was really cool Mm -hmm. um you can tell it was meant to be uh you can tell it was meant to be uh designed for 3d and it makes me wish i would have seen it in theaters for that reason alone um i also ended up Sorry, one more thing. I ended up really liking the eyes, too. Like, I thought the big eyes actually was cool, and it story-wise, it actually fit really well with, the you know, what was going on, so... Sure, all right. Um, uh, but, yeah, go on. Before I go any farther, um, I just want to say that I did a count uh, before I started the show tonight. Um, I've seen 26... Um, I saw 26 of the movies this year. Not as many as I wanted okay. to see, but I was able to view 26 films. I wish I counted mine because I thought you were going to have some like crazy amount, like at least 50, <laughs> but, uh, I think I saw a pretty close number, like somewhere in the twenties. Um, I had my short list on my phone, but I ended up deleting a lot of them as I narrowed things down. So I wish I would have counted. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my first one is happy death day too. Okay. That's nice. my first honorable mention. Um, from all, for all the reasons I just mentioned, um, the only reason I'm not saying it's like one of my favorite movies, it's an honorable mention because of how much fun I had watching it. That is yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's definitely not nearly a contender for like best picture or anything. It's literally I had a blast watching this movie, and that's the reason I wanted to bring mm-hmm. it. Up, so awesome. Yeah. All right. So what's your um, next honorable mention? My next honorable mention is. Um... How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Um, I've talked about this movie a lot. I just think it's really well done. I think it's a really good story. The animation's beautiful. I think there's a lot of detail and love put into the movie. So like, one of the five. At, so one of the five movies that yes. you were excited about made it to your honorable mention. Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those movies. Like you look at any frame of the movie, and it's just beautifully composed. Um, it's really just aesthetically pleasing and there's just so much detail and love put into this movie i think it's awesome um it's just with some of the other movies that came out this year um it they just kind of barely beat it out so no right on um well my next honorable mention is joker nice which might surprise you a little bit the only reason this doesn't make a higher you'll understand when we get to the other You'll you'll understand when we get to the my actual picks for the night. Um, yeah. But uh, this movie um, this movie is astounding from top to bottom. Um, it makes an honorable mention because it just barely doesn't make the cut. Okay. Like it's literally if I had a sixth pick, Joker would be on it. But this is this is a top five. That's why it's an honorable mention. That's why we have honorable mentions because this is, these are the mo- these are the items that just barely don't make the cut. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's your first actual pick of the night? Here we go. And yes. remember, these got to be ranked. Yes. Because okay. so re- it is a year, is, so your number five is. Right. Is uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, so this movie, I mean, what can I say about it that nobody else has already said? But it was just an amazing ending of this huge Thanos uh, saga that they had in the MCU. Um, there was such a good send-off for so many characters. Um I was actually a little bit surprised by this one because uh, I've mentioned before that Infinity War I felt was a little bit underwhelming, and I think this kind of 
just hit me like in the right places, you know, everywhere. Like it just, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was a great send off for a lot of these characters and a way to end the story. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yes. And I matched you on this one for number five. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I completely matched you for number five on this one. Um, Avengers Endgame, like, I'm sorry, this, this, it's a, it's a feat in terms of, like, no one in the film industry has ever done anything like this before, not just in making a movie like this, but in putting 23 films together in a sequential storyline. Yeah. Ending to a story. Like, no, like, it's something that no one in the film industry has ever done or attempted to do or tried to explain, like, you have to, like, not only did they tell us a absolutely wonderful story in the single film that it was but it's a wonderful story in the 23 films and they had to not only educate they had to educate the industry and they had to educate all the non-readers on what canon is and why you watch things in certain order they created a television show that you can only watch on the big screen um yeah and everything about it was phenomenal the only thing i don't my only criticism with endgame honestly is that there's it's a three-hour movie each hour is like its own story. Um, it's like the first hour is the fallout from Infinity War. The second hour is Back to the Future. And the third hour is the big fight scene. Okay. It's really okay. weird. And it's almost, it is almost clockwork. It's a three-hour movie. And literally on those hour marks, the movie changes. Um, okay. And I noticed it the first time I watched the movie, and it was weird. I'm like, that's a bizarre... All right, whatever. So... <laughs> Um, that's interesting. I didn't notice that much with this one, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I it's it's such an it's such an amazing movie, um, and it's one that I saw multiple times in the theater. So yeah, that's my yeah, number definitely. five pick. And I have a feeling you and Sweet. I I don't know if we'll be matching anymore, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So go um, ahead. Number four. That's back to my next one, which I picked: Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, um, hey, guess what? We matched on this. <laughs> For number four. I feel like after this is where it gets very different. But, yeah, after uh, this, I guarantee you and I are not matching for the rest of the night. This is one where I think last year I would have assumed this would be my number one movie of the year. Um, and this, I loved The Rise of Skywalker. Like, I enjoyed it so much. Um, I think I think one of the issues is as I think about it, I kind of waver back and forth on how much I liked it because I'll start to think of... Uh, aspects of the movie that I thought um, weren't executed really well, but then I'll start to remember other parts of the movie that were really good, and because it's not, like, that sort of a uh, perfect piece of media, in my opinion, like, I think that's why it's lower on my list, but I still really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job um, ending the series. I thought it was a cool way to bring uh, Pal Palpatine back into everything. Um, it's just kind of another thing, like, that I kind of waver back and forth is how much some of this movie kind of feels like it butts heads with uh the last jedi where i feel like i kind of want them to feel like kind of this big cohesive story instead of like butting heads in certain areas so sure. that's kind of uh an aspect of that uh do you have any any thoughts on this one or so this this movie i i was so excited for this movie and my excitement never stopped, and my excitement's always been there. Um, even even now, like it, I feel like I honestly feel like it should be higher on my list. Um, it's 
it's fantastic from beginning to end, and it's something I was waiting for. And the big thing about this being a movie that I was excited about was the fact that it's, um, it's me waiting 40 years for the conclusion of a story. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And that's the big aspect of it, is we waited how long to get this story. And um, it's just... It's exact. I think it's exactly what I think. I think there's diff. I think there's things that we've you know debated and speculated and stuff that maybe it's not everything we wanted, but this is what we got, and we all love it, and everyone's happy, and it's this is one of the best times to be a Star Wars fan because everyone's agreeing for a change. No one's like, I hate this movie like the way they did with the <laughs> like the the yeah. fandom wasn't split, and then we all like we all like we're on the heels of the Mandalorian when the movie came out and like ever, you know what I mean? Like it's just, this is the perfect time to be a star Wars fan and everything they did with this movie, I feel was right. And it was correct. And like, you guys really knew it. Yeah. It's just, it was fantastic. Um, I saw it twice in the theater and it's, it was great both times. And, um, yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, yeah, so it makes my number four, but uh, you'll understand as we go with the, my next three. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Awesome. All right. All right, man. So what's your number three for the night? My number three pick is uh, Knives Out. Um, so <laughs> so we match again? We matched again. Um, <laughs> hey, Peter and I like all the same movies this year. <laughs> that, that usually This usually doesn't happen at all. No, um, I know. This movie was just really awesome it was like a super well done intricate whodunit movie um this is it's just, movies like this don't get made very often and i think yeah. that's why i got really like behind it when i was watching it. i'm like they don't make movies like this anymore and it's yeah because yeah. one thing it's like an original story and another thing is just that it just has this cl really classic um uh, story that it tells that could have happened in like any era you know it doesn't have to be modern day and it's just like and the only reason really you knew it was the only reason and, sorry the only reason i feel like it we knew it was modern day was because they had cell phones like exactly, I, they had like yeah. iphones so yeah exactly but yeah i just loved this one um yeah i don't i don't know what to say about it that we haven't already i know we talked about it a little bit earlier but, we did uh, it's yeah it's just it's just like the perfect whodunit movie and it's, it's like i said it's a story it's a type of movie that doesn't get made anymore absolutely so, yeah yeah Sweet. all right that um, was so far we're rolling through this because we keep matching so we don't have a lot of back and forth <laughs> yeah which is really funny um i know we don't match for my number two um and that's because that movie is joker yeah um, all right so this movie I really enjoyed. Um, I really wasn't sure about it going in, but I just ended up really appreciating how well it told like this singular story that's uh, you know super character driven. I thought uh, you know Joaquin Phoenix obviously did amazing acting. Um, I think there's like a couple twists in the movie that I should have seen coming that I actually didn't just because I was so caught up in the story. Um, and I just enjoy this movie from like, I don't know, it does such a good way of portraying like a certain sort of, uh, feel and like, I don't even know how to word it, but like downtrodden, like grunginess, like you can like feel like what it's like to live in, uh, Gotham city and to be like kind of in the place that, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in the movie. And then I just love the, uh, 
sort of the social commentary aspects of it, kind of the issues it brings up and stuff. And yeah, this one's just, it's one of the movies that I watched that I couldn't stop thinking about afterwards. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I no, <laughs> right everything you just it's and it's it's just it's the social commentary on society that makes this movie, and I think really stand out. And and aside from Joaquin Phoenix's performance, like people were like blown away by the performance that Joaquin Phoenix delivered, but then yeah. you look at the movie and you're just like, oh my god, this movie's actually about society. Um, and comic yeah. book movies, comic book movies surprisingly do that all the time. Like, when you tell a story in a fantasy world, whether you're telling it on a Lord of the Rings scale fantasy versus an Avengers Endgame fantasy versus the Joker to Batman to Spider-Man to, like, science fiction to Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever, you are telling... The stories you're telling are morality tales set, and it's a social commentary and stuff that's actually going on around you that everyone is afraid to talk about. Yeah. And I've talked about shows like Stargate, for example, is one of the only television shows that had the guts to talk about 9-11. No one else would, like, when that when that event happened, no one would touch it on terms of a fictional level. Everyone was, it was like taboo, like you completely stayed away from it. And they had the guts to talk about it, but it wasn't 9-11, they used a different event, and they skated under the radar, and no one realized that they were telling this morality tale about this event um, you just had to kind of look between the lines and you're like, oh my God, they're discussing this. Um, and this is something that the Joker does. And this is something that comic book movies in general do all the time. And people need to look past the capes and the tights and look at what's really being told. If you take, if you take Batman out of the dark night, you literally just have a crime drama. Uh -huh. The main cop just wears a mask and a cape. Um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful crime drama and a, such a well-made movie. So you have to kind of look at it in that sense. People need to, people who criticize comic book movies, take the capes out of the equation and look at what's really being told. So, um, but yeah, no, the Joker, it's it's literally the social commentary that was being told. So, um, but yeah, and, and then Joaquin Phoenix's performance on top of everything. So, I mean, that movie deserved all the praise it got. So, Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say anything better than what you just said, so yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So my number two pick of the evening is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, nice. I'm probably You're probably not surprised that that made my list. Um, I talked how much I loved it. I was excited to see the movie before. I talked about how much, how much I loved the movie when it came out. Um, after, upon repeat viewings, the movie is just phenomenal. I love it. Um Tarantino is a master at his craft. The script is incredible. The story is incredible. The depiction of downtown, of, of like seeing Hollywood in the 1960s and like, um, I know, I, I feel like there's a common misconception about the movie being based around the Manson murder. The Manson murder isn't discussed in the movie at all. It kind of leads up to an event that you don't get to see on camera, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's all about Hollywood in the 1960s. That's the whole point of the movie. And you're yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, this one, I, I mean, I've, se I've seen this one, too. It's, uh, this one is a little bit weirder for me where I liked it. Like, this made my short list, and it definitely was, like The Joker, it was a movie that I saw and I kept thinking about. Um, 
the thing about this movie is since the way it's filmed is so much akin to movies filmed in the 1960s, like including the way it's paced, I feel like there's things about the movie that I think I wanted to be different when I watched it, but that was me looking at the movie with the eyes of somebody in, you know, 2019, like me saying like, well, I kind of wish the pacing was faster or different things happened, but I do understand that Quentin Tarantino made this movie to reflect, uh, the pacing that, uh, movies were made at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that like, with all that being said, like by the end of the movie, you, I mean, I don't know any, anybody who wouldn't be left with like a huge high of like how the movie ends and like how bonkers it gets and like just enjoyable it is. Um, the one, my biggest criticism of the movie though, is that, um, I do feel like it relies a bit on you having to know about um, the Manson family murders a little bit because I kind of went in and not really knowing a lot about that and especially not knowing about uh, Sharon Tate's um, involvement with it. And uh, I think there was moments of like suspense that were completely lost on me, like not knowing that, if that makes sense. No, that does. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a great pick. It's just, uh, it like I said, it made my short list. It just didn't make my final list. So yeah, no, it, that does. I understand what you're saying. Um, Manson murder aside, um, if you know this is one of the things that really made me love this movie was just having the film knowledge that I do, um, and understanding <sighs> and knowing the history of the industry and that kind of stuff. And it made and it really made the movie shine on that aspect. Like watching, yeah. like the scene when Sharon Tate goes and watches the movie she's in at the theater, or um, when DiCaprio was talking about almost getting cast in the movie The Great Escape and then seeing the scene from The Great Escape with him in place of Steve McQueen, and then like the scene where they go to the Playboy Mansion and you're just like, oh my god, the Playboy Mansion, I can't believe they're doing this, and then they're pointing out <laughs> actors in the crowd that like are from that era, and you know, it's just, that's the stuff that really made it shine, and then when you're watching the credits, um, if you stay to the end of the credits, there is a very rare... 1960s Batman radio commercial that plays at the end of I think I did see that that plays at the end of the credits and you're just like oh my god that's astounding you know what I mean so yeah um, the movie did did do a good job of like transporting you to that that time and place and like you really did feel like you were living there like with the characters so to speak um I really was left wondering if uh, the way uh, Bruce Lee was per- portrayed was accurate because he just seemed so like showboaty and stuff when he was in the movie. But um, yeah, I think the movie did really a good job, like atmospherically in that way. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, what is your number one pick from 2019? Yeah. So this my number one pick, uh, and I feel like this is crazy, but. I went with uh, Midsummer, um, and this movie I talked about a couple weeks ago. It's the uh, the horror movie um, that's you know the same writer and director as Hereditary, and uh, yeah, it's about the kids who go to a this like commune in Sweden where they have this weird Midsummer festival, and it ends up becoming like this really twisted cult uh, that they're kind of coming into, and. Uh, I don't know, like, this is so weird, but, uh, because I didn't think this would be my favorite movie, but I just, I can't stop thinking about it, and I think the movie is, like, 
it's a horror movie and there's some really messed up stuff but at the same time the movie's like really beautiful like the way it's shot is really gorgeous and i think uh it's one of those things where it, it brings into question so much like morally and ethically like you watch the movie and it start it kind of like makes you question so many things and i think i like appreciate it because of like kind of the staying power of it and i really like that this movie doesn't just rely on um shock value like there's certain things that happen in the movie that are so shocking but it's not like that's not why it has like an, a lasting effect on me it just kind of it really it told the story well and did it in a way where i kind of like think like if i was in the place of the characters of the movie would i have done the same thing you know and kind of like mm. i don't know it's, it's really interesting in that way and i don't i don't think you've seen it yet right no i have not yeah, so I, I mean, I don't want to say too much either, but I just think it was really beautiful, really well done, and it was one of those things where it wasn't, it didn't solely rely on shock value, and, and, and you know, especially to the extent where I wouldn't watch it again. Like, I totally would watch this movie again, and I feel like the way it's shot, there's so many little things you could notice and stuff that you didn't notice the first time as well. So, yeah, it's a... It's a weird one, but this one just has stuck with me, and it ended up being my number one pick, so... Well, that's cool. Usually when a movie goes home with you like that, that's where, like, it really kind of helps you go, yep, that, that's how it's my number one. Yeah. Um, the, uh, alright, so my final pick of the night, and I know I mentioned it earlier in the show that you might hear me talk about it, is Jojo Rabbit. Um, okay, awesome. That, I haven't seen this yet. This is my number one pick, and um, I haven't seen Parasite yet, but I honestly feel like Jojo Rabbit was snubbed in terms of best picture. So until I see Parasite, I don't have a um, comment on that one. But this movie, um, by far, is my favorite movie of 2019. This movie is absolutely phenomenal in every way. And I'm not talking, I'm talking like a masterpiece of a script, masterpiece acting, masterpiece cinematography. Um, this is a movie that takes you on an emotional roller coaster from beginning all the way to the end. Um, it's funny. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make laugh multiple times. It's going to make you cry multiple times. It has like, I don't want to say it has all the feels in all the right places because there's intense sequences where you're just like, Oh my God, I can't, you know what I mean? Like you're just, <laughs> yeah. you're just in awe at this movie from the beginning to end. Um, so people understand a little bit about this movie because the subject matter is kind of jarring when you think about it and then you watch the movie and you're just going to be blown away by it. So the movie is written and directed by Taika Waititi. Um, and we are all big fans of Taika over here. Um, he's just, he, I, he is literally, you know, like years and years ago, there was a writer's strike. And one of the things that came out of the writer's strike was Quentin Tarantino. And we all know Tarantino's career thus far. And every time there's a writer strike or a shakeup in Hollywood, I always think to myself, who's going to be the next Tarantino? Who's going to be the next big name that we're just like, oh my God, I like, you know, his movie's coming out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and here we are. And I think Taika might be that person. Okay. Um, I really do. Uh, so to give you an idea what this movie is about is there's, it takes place in Nazi Germany, tail end of the, tail end of the war. And you have a, like a 10 year old kid who is, he's going off to Nazi, uh, Boy Scout camp. 
right. is the best way. Of, like, they're taking all the 10-year-old kids and taking them away to, like, a summer camp, which is, like, a Nazi summer camp where they're going to teach them all the things they need to know so when they grow up to be soldiers in the Nazi army, uh, they can serve Hitler the best. Right. So imagine a Nazi version of, like, a Boy Scout summer camp. Um, <laughs> right. And that's only, like, the first 10 minutes of the movie. Um, he has, this boy has an imaginary friend who happens to be Adolf Hitler. But, okay. but because the boy has never met Adolf Hitler, it is a very caricature cartoon version of Adolf Hitler played by Taika Waititi. <laughs> okay, so I've, I've seen, um, I've seen clips from this. I didn't know that was the premise. Yeah. <laughs> but so many of the clips I've seen are just making sense. Here so, so, so he, he talks to his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, constantly throughout the movie and there's funny yeah. bits where like and you have to think of it like in a calvin and hobbes sense it's almost like taika is a big fan of calvin and hobbes and kind of created this boy imaginary friend like friendship between these characters in like a calvin and hobbes sense because there's a scene where he's talking to adolf hitler and his mom's the boy's mom is in the other room and the imaginary friend yells something at his mom and he goes she can't hear you so the imaginary friend yells it louder <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's really, like, it was such a, it, like, made me laugh out loud. I'm like, that is such a funny gag. Um, but basically what happens is, and, um, uh, Scarlett Johansson plays the boy's mother, and, um, she was nominated for a supporting actress for this movie, and she so heavily deserved the supporting actress nomination for this movie. If not, she probably should have got the award, in my opinion. I don't actually even remember who won for supporting actress. Um... Oh, I think it was Laura Dern, one for supporting actress. Um, but Scarlett Johansson was wonderful in this film, and the way she was, her chemistry with the little boy, it, God, it was just amazing and sad and uh, happy and joyful, and like it made you feel like, and the and the lessons she taught her child, and like you're ten years old, you shouldn't be talking politics and war and oppression you should be being a kid and running around outside and just what was really being what was really being told in the script is the most important thing and this comes back to that social commentary thing i was talking about um but um this little nazi boy and this little nazi boy scout kid um runs in with this little jewish girl and he doesn't know how to deal with it and the story takes a completely different turn after that and you see this friendship blossom between this kid from the Nazi regime and this little Jewish girl. And they're, they're button heads at first, but then they build this friendship and he ends up having like these deep feelings for whether it be like, and you're not sure if he's like experiencing his first romantic feelings or if he's experiencing this friendship feeling like I need you in my life kind of stuff and seeing beyond the curtain of the bizarre truths that they were told about the Jews. Um, and they are the most bizarre truths you could possibly ever imagine about the Jews that you hear about. <laughs> um, which some of it makes you laugh when you when you when they talk about like, do you guys really like hang from trees like bats when you sleep? And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but in the end, the message that they're telling you, and the message about um, seeing beyond, like, not judging a book by its cover and, like, living your lives as free, as, and with freedom and all that stuff, it's, it's telling you the message the movie's giving you is not really a spoiler. You need to see this movie. 
Um, this is, I'm in my personal opinion, the best movie of the year, and it blows everything I saw this year out of the water. Um, okay. This is a movie that I will have to own a copy of. Um, I'm, I need to see this movie again and again. It's so, so smart. Um, Sam Rockwell's in it, and he is just, he is absolutely wonderful in this movie, like he is in pretty much everything he does. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, awesome. jo- Jojo yeah. Rabbit, that's how I'm closing it out for the night. <laughs> I mean, it sounds awesome. I like that you said smart, because uh, everything I've heard about, which I hadn't heard much, but I always thought it left the impression of on me that it was a really smart movie, and it, um, like it kind of takes this, uh, I mean, it takes, you know, the subject matter is so like bizarre and like maybe borderline offensive but it seems like it uses it in such a smart way and like i really was interested in this one i just haven't had the chance to see it yet but yeah so like awesome so so i don't want to i don't this isn't a spoiler to the main story at all i just have to tell you about the scene because this is the kind of stuff that'll make you laugh in the movie like and all the (laughs) all the jokes are super subtle so like you have to laugh at them like you have to see the humor in it to laugh at it um, but I laughed so many times in this movie, but there's this scene where the little boy is at a swimming pool and Sam Rockwell plays this military general in the Nazi army and he's doing a training simulation at the same swimming pool, but they know each other previous from a previous event in the film. And, um, he walks up to him and he's like, Hey captain, whatever his name was. And he's like, Oh, Hey, it's Jojo rabbit. And the reason they call him Jojo rabbit is part of the story. So I'll leave that alone. And, okay. um, it's it's a nickname, but you understand why when you watch the movie. Um, sure. He uh, he's like, oh hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? And the well, the kid when he asks Sam Rockwell what he's doing, he goes, oh we're doing uh, uh, water combat training for when our soldiers have to go and uh, do battle in a swimming pool. And then you see this like line of Nazis full of combat gear jump into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so funny nice. because he says it like really sarcastically. He's like, so when our troops have to go do battle in a swimming pool. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's like lines like that that'll make you laugh out loud. And you're, it's just, it's so good. Like just from beginning to end. And like, I was with it. Everything that the movie did, I was with. I never questioned. I never looked beyond things. And then the visual language is amazing. Like it almost looks like Taika was trying to... Um, make it look like a Wes Anderson film in a way. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I got. Of so, but I've it, seen. but it doesn't feel like a Wes Anderson film at all. So it's like almost, probably paced, it's probably paced completely differently and stuff. Yeah. But it's just, it's wonderful. And the little boy that you follow through the movie, um, he's, he's wonderful. That kid will be, I guarantee that kid has an Oscar in his future. I guarantee it. As long as he keeps acting, he, he is so good. So, yeah, yeah, Jojo Rabbit, best movie of the year. So, that's what awesome. I say, anyway. All right, um, you ready to do next week's list? Yeah. All right. Uh, did you figure something out? Or? Well, I I, ha- I have one. I just couldn't remember oh, who it. Cool. I, I just couldn't remember who it landed on. I was like, oh yeah, crap. Because I think we did uh, we did like the fictional media one, and then I think we did this movie one. Yeah. So right. it'd be your pick. Yeah. So it's my pick, and okay. um, this is a little. This is kind of a generic pick, but it's something I was thinking about a while back. Is so we're gonna do uh, police movies. Okay. Um, nice. And this this is movies where it could focus directly on maybe like a precinct, or if you want to focus on a specific police officer. And I'm not. So you're focusing on a story about police. Yeah. So does that help? Like narrow. It like, has to be so. 
police have to be like the main focus of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, but um, you don't want like a fo- You don't want to pick like uh, what's a really good movie? Um, like The Departed is a great police crime drama, but the focus is primarily on the mafia. That the right. Yeah, because the one or cop like, is undercover. Uh, I don't. I like, mean, uh, I, you could in, if it, you could technically make The Departed on your list. I'm just using that as an example because the movie's primarily not about the police so much as it is about. <laughs> do, you know what I mean? Yeah, the one I thought of was uh, Super Bad, where you have uh, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader who are like yeah, that mo- yeah, that's movie, not <laughs> right. The focus is definitely on the teenage friends in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. So yeah, we'll do police movies next week. Um, cool that sounds fun and then uh when i get back from c2e2 so next week we'll do that and then that'll give me like a little extra time to edit so probably after the police episode we'll have the edit for c2e2 will drop so awesome so yeah um just another episode in the can you ready to close this out for the night yeah sounds great great um yeah so if you would check us out at our website top5report.com they'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook uh, along with the link to our email top5report at gmail.com if you want to interact with the show uh, hit us up there as well um we are on uh stitcher google play iHeartRadio, apple podcasts um if you subscribe to us uh, you will not miss a single episode and you can leave us a review we love the five stars but uh we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be sharing spoilers for Happy Death Day and many four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's the fourth one that's coming out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have a report from C2E2 along with uh, future episodes to come and some hopefully some great audio. For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.